Thank you, Pastor Jacob. Well, good morning, church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. It's good to see all of you guys here. My name is Pastor Ray Cosley. I'm one of the pastors here at Living Way. And if you're visiting us for the first time, we'll just pray that God would indeed meet you in a mark and in a way that you would leave knowing that you've encountered something beyond yourself, something truly even beyond this world. That's our desire and our passion for you to encounter the living Christ. Well, last week, Pastor James preached a powerful message, a message that was a call to what true Christianity looks like according to Jesus, not according to the culture, not according to Christian tradition, but according to Jesus himself, the way he defined what it means to be a follower of his. And he encouraged us to count the cost because the cost is high, but the reward is even higher. What we gain as opposed to what we lose is of far greater worth. And that's why even though it costs a lot, it is in no comparison to what we gain in him. So thank you, Pastor James, for preaching that word. I would encourage anyone to listen because we are living in a day and age where Christianity as it's understood and Christianity as it truly is, is totally at odds. And so we want to truly understand what it means to be a follower of Christ. And speaking of power, we began this journey actually a few weeks ago talking about power from my Easter message on Sunday on the topic of power in the resurrection. As the resurrection was truly the ultimate demonstration of God's power in the world. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19, it says, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe when he raised Christ from the dead. And what he tells us is the same resurrection power that was used to to actually raise Jesus Christ from the dead in verse 19 of chapter 1 is actually toward us who are in him. And then we talked about the power for what? And it's the power to live the raised up life, the power to live the life of heaven, the power to live new life, Life that can be characterized by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. This kind of life that ultimately finds that there's greater satisfaction in God than anything outside of him. It's a life that enables us to actually not have to feel like we have to grasp for more because we've gained all that we already have in him. This is the raised up life. This is the abundant life that Jesus promised. This is the kind of life that he died and rose to give. And in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, he said that he raised us up with him, namely that the very life that Jesus lived and is living in the heavens is now ours in him. And we can live this kind of life in great measure. But then the last message that I preached, we talked about a problem. The problem, at least for me, and if you're honest, that I will hopefully you would probably identify with, Is that life that I just described is a life that probably for many of us eludes us in some way, shape, or form. In some area of your life, you're probably not living abundantly. If anything, maybe in some area of your life, you're experiencing that discontent, that dissatisfaction, worry, doubt, the hum of grumbling and complaining. Maybe that's kind of where you find yourself. That, that, that's not that abundant life that Jesus gives. There is perhaps in your life this overall tenor of a, of a lack of satisfaction with the life in some way that you're living. And that's the problem, the conundrum. 
even as Christians, as believers, we find ourselves on, on one end knowing that we have the power to live this life, but in some ways the actual realization of it is not present in so many ways. And so we talked about how we can access this raised up life. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, Paul gives us the conduit through which how we can actually live this life. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit. Everybody say spirit. Of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, he says that according to the riches of his glory, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power. So there's the power. And where does the power come? It comes through his what? Spirit in your inner being. It's the power source that enables us to live this raised up life, this, this heavenly life is in the spirit. It's got to flow from the spirit. If you want to live that kind of life, you got to get more of the spirit. And that's when I shared last week that I'm honestly on a quest for power. If, if I really want to be honest with myself, as, as long as I've been living in this relationship with Jesus Christ, I still traffic in a lot of old negative emotions. Honestly, day after day, month after month, and even year after year, there are areas of my life that, that still have yet to characterize that contentment that the abundant life provides, that peace that Jesus Christ died and rose for me to have, that love to extend to others that I still struggle with. And I'm asking, are you maybe some of you there this morning? Or am I just the only one that's standing up here a little frustrated? You see, I'm tired of running. I'm tired of running off of dopamine and distractions to do the trick to satisfy my soul. Anybody else running on dopamine and distractions? And so I told you I want to scour God's word. That hopefully there's some things in there that, that I have yet to grasp or hold on to. And I want to take us as a congregation on that journey. And I want to take it slow. As I've been studying this week, I really want to take it slow. I don't want us to assume that we know what we already know, what we think we know, but we really honestly don't know it because we're not living the abundant life that we say we ought to know. So the question is, what stands in the way? There's a force that is actively keeping us from, from actually being in the flow of the Spirit. I want to identify that thing that stands in the way of that life that you are called to live. I'm going to slow down. And we're going to give attention to it. We find ourselves in the book of Galatians. Strife was present in the Galatian churches. They were searching for the raised up life. But they were going about it the wrong way. There was a faction within the church that believed that legalism, looking to something outside of God, namely the law, will gain me all of the raised up life and approval and acceptance that God can provide. But there was also another faction in the Galatian church, and they believed in libertinism. The root word there you can see libertinism is liberty. It's doing whatever we believe will make us happy. Whatever I believe that's going to allow me to be happy, I'm going to go after that. That's the life of liberty. And both of these factions within this church were failing miserably because they weren't living the raised up life. And it is in this context that Paul reveals what is keeping them from the raised up life 
that only Christ can usher them into. So if you will, please, before we get into God's word, bow with me in prayer. God, we come. And we ask you, Lord, to meet us right where we are. God, there are negative emotions swirling in certain areas of all of our lives. That, God, you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, want to bring freedom, hope, joy, peace, rest, too. And Holy Spirit, you know those things. So I'm asking right now, will you please begin to even now do the work of power in the inner being that only you can. God, my limitations are far beyond what I even know. And so God, please, will you take this weak, cracked vessel and do far more abundantly through me than I can even ask or imagine for the sake of your name in your people. God, please, will you do this not by might nor by power, but indeed by your spirit, I ask. And everybody said, amen. I want to focus on three things, three things. And I'm going to take a posture, you guys, today of I'm, I'm going to do some teaching. Is that all right? So we're going to put our thinking caps on, take notes. And I really want you to try to process First, I'm going to ask the question, what is the power inhibitor? What is keeping you and me from the power source of the Holy Spirit? There's something in the way. Secondarily, what is the goal of that inhibitor? What is the ultimate aim that this inhibitor is after in your life? And then lastly, what is the battleground where this inhibitor fights? to keep you from the power to walk the abundant, raised-up life. So first, what is keeping you and me from the power source of the Spirit that will lead us into the raised-up life? Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So now here Paul tells us we have been called to freedom. Verse 13, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Everybody say flesh. Verse 16, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Everybody say flesh. For the desires of the flesh, everybody say flesh, are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. Everybody say flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. You see, Paul here in these verses identifies the force. The force that is keeping you and me from the power of the Spirit that will lead us into the raised up life. And what is that force? What is that inhibitor? It is your flesh. Now, when I first kind of read this, because what I did was I had to ask myself, God, I want to go to passages that talk about the Spirit. 
If the Spirit is the avenue for power, then I'm going to study the passages on the Spirit so that I can understand how to get more of the Spirit so I can walk in the raised up life. And God brought me to Galatians. And initially I said, Holy Spirit, this is, this is kind of boring. <laughs> this, this is kind of typical. Like, I've read this for years. And if I tell the people this is where we're going to find it, they're going to be like, oh, man, I heard that, seen that, done that. Familiarity breeds contempt. Because we're familiar, we can brush over it and lose the gravity and the depth in it. So I'm asking you, please, because here's the reality. This is what the Holy Spirit checked me on. Well, Ray, if you get it, then why you ain't living it? If you read it 15 million times, then what's the problem? So clearly we get it, but we don't get it. So I want to encourage us to slow down. Because you know, but you don't know. So I want you to really take what God's word is saying here with gravity. If you're wanting to live the raised of life. Because if we're going to begin to step into power... We need to give attention to what Paul just said. And what is it? Know the flesh. So what is the flesh? The flesh is the appetite in every single one of us. It is the leaning in every single one of us that feels naturally moved or inclined toward doing what we do so that the end ultimately is death. The flesh is is the deep crevice in the human heart that is bent naturally toward wrongdoing. The flesh is the I. It's the self. It's the ego within the self that feels an emptiness. There's an emptiness that the flesh feels. And the flesh, this is what it does. It uses the resources of its own power to try to fill it. The flesh is the eye that satisfies us beyond anything else but God. It's the flesh that says, I'm going to pursue, chase after, and see whatever is needed in my soul to fill it outside of God. The flesh prefers, it leans toward legalism, doing whatever I can to make sure I'm appeased and approved before whatever God is before me. The the, the flesh leans toward licentiousness or license. I can do whatever and will do whatever I can to fill myself up. The flesh is the impulsive instinct to run toward anything outside of God to fill you. Porn is normal, healthy, and a natural part of growing. Sexual exploration is the key to living a satisfied and happy life. That's the voice of the flesh. The flesh, the flesh leans, it leans instinctively. You don't have to do anything about it. In your situation right now, you know what your flesh leans toward? Grumbling. Do you just naturally not grumble? What do you naturally do when it just don't go your way? That's the flesh. 
it leans toward things outside of God. It leans toward complaining. The, the flesh, just by instinct, you don't have to do any work, it leans towards hate and revenge and bitterness because it believes that will heal the hurt. It, it, it leans, it just goes to worry that will ultimately give me the kind of control that I need so that I can feel peace. See, it's trying to fix the area that you're trying to get filled up in, and it takes everything that it can outside of God to do it, and it uses even good things. You know that relationship that you're longing for? The flesh leans into that relationship. There's nothing bad about relationships, but you know what the flesh does? It leans into your relationships to fill all the voids and needs that you want, and you try to get it out of that relationship. That's the flesh. It's ministry, like what I'm doing right now. I want to I gain approval. I want to gain acceptance. I want to gain reputation. So, so the flesh says, use the ministry to do that because that's where you can get it from. That new tech toy. Those, those friends that are, that are at school, if I can be in this crowd, if I can have that next tech toy, if, if, then, then, I'll, then I'll be accepted. Then I'll be loved. And, and the flesh says, lean toward that group to actually gain all that you want in acceptance, my young people. But the funny thing is we do it too as old folks, don't we? You see, I know you've been longing for that pregnancy. The flesh says, that's where you're going to get that fulfillment that you've been longing for. Then you will feel love. When you get that promotion, then all of a sudden you'll feel like you matter. The flesh always leans instinctively away from God to other things to fill it. And this is why dopamine and distractions resonate with us. Come on now. Because the flesh tells you just a little more dopamine, man, and you will finally feel like, ah, I can get that release. Just, just a few more distractions. I'm going to just, just do this one, this one, and that one. And then finally you'll feel like, man, dang, I finally feel like I'm just safe, secure, and self-filling. So good about my life right now. But here's my question. How's the dopamine and distractions doing for you? You see, verse 17 pictures the flesh almost as if it's a living being or entity. Verse 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other. The spirit is a being. And what you're, picture, what you're seeing pictured here is this being is actually conscious. It has a will. It has a consciousness. It, it, it resonates with emotions. So first, what is the inhibitor? You got to identify the inhibitor, church. If the, inhibitor, if the thing is the spirit that you're to, to get in order to gain that abundant life, that raised up life, you got to figure out what's keeping you from it. And the reason why I'm nailing on this is because here's the reality. If we don't figure out how to deal with our flesh in a way that we're experiencing victory, you will not get power. It's not coming. And that's why I believe the Holy Spirit told me, wait, you got to slow down. So now what is the goal of your flesh? What is the ultimate goal of your flesh? Verse 17, for the desires of the flesh 
are against the power of the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other. And then he gives the purpose, the henna clause. So that, or to keep you from doing the things you want to do. There's four clauses in that verse. The first two clauses are parallel. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. There's the first clause. The desires of the spirit are against the flesh. That's second. What is that picturing? Conflict. War. There is a war. Back back in the day, there was a hip-hop song we used to listen to from Mob Deep. There's a war going on outside. That was the first start. Well, I thought about that. I was like, no, there's a war going on inside. That's what the text is telling us. The goal is seen at the beginning of those first two clauses. There's a conflict. In you, if you're a believer, you have the spirit and you have the flesh going at each other. Battle. The third clause, he then summarizes it. The third clause in verse, um, verse 17, he says, um, for these are opposed to each other. So there's the summary. It's opposition. And then he gives the goal. The goal is to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Here's the reality. You're not strong enough to do anything you want to do. You know what you do? You know what you do? You either do what your flesh wants you to do or what the spirit wants you to do, period. Everybody. And the goal of the flesh, it has one aim, to keep you from the spirit. Because if the flesh can keep you from the spirit, then you will not live the raised up life that you're longing for. This is why I say slow down. If you're going to walk this life, you have to know how to deal with the flesh. Like I said, you, we say we know this, but I'm asking you, how are you doing with your flesh right now? See, the goal of the flesh is to defeat the power source that's needed in you. It's a fight. It's a war. It's like back in the day when I used to play Street Fighter. You guys remember that Street Fighter? We used to go to 7-Eleven. That's when we used quarters to play video games. Y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Come on, man. Right? You was fighting. I was, I was Ryu. I was killing them. That's what I picture. Spirit, flesh. And notice, notice What are they battling for? Get this. What is the battle over? Verse 17. For the desires, I say desires, of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires. Everybody say desires. Of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. You know what the spirit and you know what the flesh are battling for in you? Desires. This is what verse 24, Paul says, And those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and what? 
desires. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the what? Desires of the body. Again, picture these things as obviously the spirit is a being. Kind of personify, if you will, the flesh as a being. Do you realize the spirit has desires? The spirit has a will. And when the spirit's desires are realized in you, you will live the raised up life. And the flesh is going after every one of the spirit's desires for you. And what are the desires of the flesh? And I've said this. I'm going to say it again because I want you to get it. The desires of the flesh at the bottom are trying to get you to find all that you need wherever you are in everything but God. What are the desires of the spirit? Verse 17. It's for him, his desire is that you find everything that you need right where you are in God. That's the battle. The flesh is trying to win the battle. Get your desires out here. Get your desires out here. Get your desires out here. And the spirit is saying, get your desires up there. Get your desires up there. This is my desire for you to be up there. You see, flesh wants to find your worth in your children and not in God. Your flesh wants to find your identity in your cause, in your passion, in your vocation, in your gender, in your giftings. That's where the flesh wants you to find your identity, worth, and reputation. You see, the flesh wants you to find your hope in financial security. The flesh wants you to find your hope in the picture you have of your preferred present. Does anybody have a picture of their preferred present right now? Come on now. I know I got it. I'm not the only one, am I? How about a preferred future? See, the flesh, the flesh tells you, lean into that. And you will find what your heart's been longing for. Find whatever you need outside of God. But the Spirit says, no, find it in him. Again, I told y'all, I'm going to repeat myself. We're going slow on this. And there are two outcomes. If you step into the desires of the spirit or you step into the desires of the flesh. The outcome of stepping into the desires of the flesh are verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's the outcome of the desires of the flesh. Then he gives the outcome for the desires of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, 
and self-control. One will give you the lowdown life. Right? Because what I just read is in verse 22, the raised up life. Isn't that the life we want to live in verse 22? Love. Joy. How many want some joy up in here? Is there joy in the house of the Lord? We sing that song. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Joy in the house of the Lord today. Do you want peace? How about a cup of patience? How many people want to walk in more kindness? How about gentleness? I bet you that'll help with some of our parenting, amen? Come on now, I'm talking to you parents. Been there, done that. How about some self-control? That's the raised up life. And at the bottom, when we hear that description, we know that's heaven. But here's the problem. We're chasing things outside of God to get what we only can gain in God. You following me? Because everything out here is going to give you a different kind of fruit. You can try to fill yourself up with all the things that are of this earth and you're going to still end up with envy, strife, dissension, rivalry, sexual immorality, dissension, divisions, and all of the other stuff that is the low-down life. And notice the parallel here. Desires are the fuel for each of these things. Desires fuel the raised up life. Desires fuel the low down life. Desires are the fertilizer that give birth to the fruit of verses 19 through 21 or the fruit of verses 22 through 23. Verses 19 through 23 are outcomes of fulfilled desires. You got to follow me on this. Flesh says, I desire intimacy and escape my way. When that desire gives birth, then you find yourself in sexual sin. You see, you didn't get to sexual immorality just by doing sexual immorality. You got there from a desire to find something in sex outside of God to fill a void. And as a result, you fell into the fruit of the low-down life. You see, the flesh says, I desire my way that leads to the fruit then of dissension and division. You see, when you have a my way attitude, all you're going to have is disunity. The flesh says, I desire what you have. I want what you got. And because I want what you got, what does it lead me to? The fruit of envy. See, where did envy come from? It came from the bottom down here, as Pastor James preached on the hidden heart. Where the heart is the center of the desires, the will. The Spirit says, I desire the good that I know that I have in God. And so then what happens when you step into his desire? You experience contentment. If everything that you have in your life right now is good, according to the God of the universe, who, who basically is sovereign over all things, and he is, 
heaven bent on giving you everything that you need in Christ Jesus, then that good right there will bring what? Contentment. When you step into that desire in God, where, where, where God says, I want you to desire my inheritance, that the inheritance that you have in heaven is of so much far greater worth that you won't live here down on earth for moth and rust. You see, if, if you're looking for security, you can find it in him. And when you find security in him, then you have peace. You see what's happening? You see the, the, the flow. If you embrace the desires of the flesh, you get the works of the flesh. When you embrace the desires of the spirit, you get the fruit of the spirit. Listen, listen, listen to me. This is why you can't, this is why you're struggling. This is why I'm struggling. This is why you can't say to yourself, you got to be more patient. I'm just going to pull up my bootstraps. A preacher preached a good sermon. I feel guilty as sin because I've been so impatient toward my mama, my daddy, my uncle, my cousins, my dog. I kicked the cat the whole nine yards. I got to do better. Realize verses 19 through 23 are Fruits, not roots. You with me? Trying to do these things is not where your effort and energy ought to be. If you're planting a tree, where is your effort? In the soil. That's where your effort is. You got to cultivate the soil. The soil is what determines the fruit that comes from it. You don't work for the fruit. You don't work for the fruit. But see, so many of us, right, as believers, we working for the fruit. We try, I, 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 I got to stop, I got to stop being angry. I got to stop being bitter. Okay, I'm going to make sure that I, we're all up here. No, 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 no. You can't get it until you get down here. If you feed the soil of your flesh and give it what it wants, namely everything outside of God, you're just going to produce flesh. If you feed the soil of the spirit and what it wants, namely God and all that you have in him, then you will produce spirit rot fruit. Now, I want you to notice something. Notice I said effort. Everybody say effort. Again, this stuff isn't new for a lot of us, but we're not living this out, I'm sure, as much as we'd like to. Here's the real. The power is available, but we have to work for it. Hear what I'm saying? You don't earn your salvation, but it takes effort to experience the salvation that you've been given freely by grace. Paul said, work out your salvation. Effort does not equate to earning, but it doesn't mean that we don't put effort in. And for me, as I was surveying this, I think maybe the reason why I'm having some challenges in certain areas, come on now, why I'm struggling It's because I've lost certain disciplines and effort to go to war on some areas in the soil of my life. 
What is the goal of your flesh? It is to win the war of desires. That's its goal. That's what it's trying to pursue. That's what it's trying to get over on the spirit of God that is in you. And so now, the last and final question. What is the battleground? Where does the effort need to be applied? We don't want to be shooting all over the place. Turn to Romans chapter 8. And this was, this was just good for me. Romans chapter 8 verse 5. For those, Romans 8 verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh. Again, we're going to slow down. Let's slow down. Set their minds. Everybody say minds. On the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds. Everybody say minds. On the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. There's the fruit. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. There's the raised up life. For the mind, everybody say mind, that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh. Paul identifies the battleground. Again, verse 6. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life. The battleground where we need to do work in an effort to gain more of the spirit and less of the flesh so that our desires shift is the mind. Let's slow down. The mind shifts what we believe to be true. Doesn't Romans a little bit later here in chapter 12 says what? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Mind. Now remember, we talked about this. The flesh wants to find any outlet it can outside of God for its happiness. And this is exactly what the world tells us to do. Since when was the last time you watched something from the world that told you to find your satisfaction in what you need in God? And not only that, you know what the world does? The world places thoughts in your mind to get you to believe the ideas that it wants you to as far as the gain, the path of fulfillment that your heart is longing for. Donuts make me feel relaxed. Come on now. I'm preaching now. My wife almost said hallelujah. My flesh then, when the world tells me donuts make you feel relaxed, my flesh desires donuts then. And then what happens when I don't get my donuts? Angry frustrated, 
irritated. No, 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 come on, man. We all got that thing that we, 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 we want. You know that, you know, you was really, you was really looking forward to that blank. You all, we all got a blank. Right? So here's the question. Why am I over here angry that I didn't get my donuts? Because I embraced the idea, I embraced the idea that donuts are the pathway to relaxation. My body tells me that because when I get that sugar rush, dopamine, woo! Everything, my, all of this stuff is connected. Your body is connected to your soul, all of that good stuff. And so that idea is planted in my mind. So then when I walk up to the donut shop and it's closed and it's locked, I'm like, no, open up. You see, flesh says, feed me with food. Because the idea in my mind is that food is going to do it for me. The flesh says, feed me with free time. The idea of free time. How many of you guys want some more free time? But when you don't get it, you know what that tells you? When you don't get it, that means that you are looking to that to give you what you need when you lost it. Because you got angry when you need to get that free time. Flesh says, feed me with money. If I can have that certain amount of money, the idea of more money, then I can feel finally secure. The flesh tells me when I get that relationship, that idea, that idea in the mind of a relationship and what I envision that relationship to be for me, when I finally get to that vista, that horizon, then I'm going to be. What am I doing? All of my thoughts and all of the things that I just described are outside of who? God. And when you marinate, when you marinate, and I'm not even talking about bad things. You know what I'm not talking about bad things? Are donuts sinful? They can be. But they aren't in and of themselves. But what am I focused on? The thought life. And when you marinate in these places and you live there continually and you drink from the well in your mind of everything that you need outside of God, what will you produce? You see, you have to realize ideas are jumping into your head all day long. And they're telling you all day long, this will do the trick. If I can get that chill time. Yet the funny thing is, this is what I thought for years. If I could get that chill time. Well, now I've got four children. All of them are all grown up. I get more chill time. But guess what? Chill time sold me a bill of goods because I'm not any more happier than I was or less happy than I am right now as I was back then. I was sold a bill of goods. And here's the problem. Here's the problem. I have four kids. It took a long time for them to grow up. So this is where I'm starting to realize, I think the Holy Spirit is revealing to me why there's hums in me. Because you know what? 
This is crazy. It's insidious. That means for years, I lived in this constant state of chill time. You're my God. And for 10, 15 years, that's why I was so stinking unhappy for 10 or 15 years. Because chill time kept eluding me. And I saw, and my, my mind told me, that's the promised land, my man. Once you get there, you got it. Well, I had 15 years to wait for it. So I sat in discontent day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year after year after year after year. Because my flesh told me, that's what you should desire, boy. Then you'll get it. And now I'm on the other side of it, and I want to kick chill time. I want to body slam it and beat it up. Straight lie to me. It's so subtle. The idea in the mind of a different marriage. I'm sorry, dog. Your marriage ain't going to be no better or no worse inside or outside of it. All of us is struggling, dog. I know that man that you're looking at that you think, ooh, he's this, or that woman that you think like, ooh, sorry, all jacked up. All y'all, everybody's jacked up. I ain't doing 25 years come August, 25 years. I ain't doing that all over again. I'm serious. It gets sweeter with age, don't it, baby? Come on now. Idea of more or less. The idea if I had more of this. The idea if I had more of that. The idea of greater success. The idea of the release from this sickness. The idea of a new season. The, the idea that if I could just live in this way. The idea of, of, of if I could give my sexual expression this kind of an outlet. The idea that, that the social media recognition will give me what I'm longing for. So any thought, idea, philosophy outside of God, the flesh is going to pursue. And you're going to be living the low down life. And that's and what I'm saying right now. The reason why you're living low down is because your mind is probably there right now in that area of your life. You have set your mind, Romans chapter 8, verse 5, on the things of the flesh. You set it there. I set my mind there. My mind, chill time, that's it. And what did it give me? Discontent. You see, it fuels and feeds fleshly desires. That's what the mind does. It fuels and feeds the soil of your desires, and then it bursts forth the fruit. And that's probably why you're angry, frustrated, irritable, envious, combative, defensive, full of worry, fear, and doubt. If you're any of those types of things, I want you to ask yourself, what has your mind bought into that has you in that place right now? Did you hear what I just said? If you find yourself in those places, because that, that's what I started asking myself, well, homie, why are you discontent, Ray? Why are you angry? Why are you worried? Why are you fearful? Why? Why? Where is that coming from? I guarantee 
you probably have something that you set your mind on to fulfill something in your heart that it's longing for. And the moment you chop that root off, raised up. You see, all the messages from the world, watch this blog, listen to this, listen to that. They're all giving you more and more ideas on how to deal with your deepest longings outside of God. Every commercial, you know, every commercial is an advertisement to tell you what you don't have and what you need in order to find fulfillment. Do you realize? Everyone, because you got to buy their product, it means, which means you got to feel like you have a lack. Because then you're going to use that product to fill it. Now, like John Mark Comer, and I'm going to kind of end with his thoughts on the mind. He says, everything we allow into our minds has an effect on our souls, for good or for evil. And Pastor James has mentioned this, but neurobiology, specifically how what we see, listen, affects our mirror neurons and how thoughts enter the mind. It's actually affecting your biology, the way you think, and it creates Neural pathways in our brains, watch this, which create DNA proteins in our nervous systems, which are then disseminated through our bodies and become a part of us. And some argue, he says, are in turn passed on to our children in their genetic code. Generational. All because of the way you think. This is why he says our entertainment choices, our reading habits, our screen time, our news sources are all central to our spiritual formation into the image of Jesus. And he says, think about the simple math of it. The average American adult watches TV or videos online for about five to six hours a day. The average millennial is on her phone up to four hours a day. That adds up to a decade of life. Now, don't feel bad about that. This is where it gets alarming. Barna's recent research on millennials found that they spend almost 2,800 hours a year consuming digital content, but only 153 hours of that which is Christ-based content. The rest is an internet cornucopia of YouTube, Instagram, Netflix, Apple, and others. Did you hear what I just said? When I read that, that was stunning. 2,800 hours versus 153 hours. No wonder we're not living the raised up life. Our minds are consumed with 2,800 hours of flesh as opposed to 153 hours of God, and we wonder why we're struggling. Is it any wonder that we often see the world more through the lens of secular theory, he says, than Scripture? Or that we often get sucked into our disordered desires and begin living just like everyone else because it's normal. That's freaking me out. No, church, I need you guys to seriously hear me. As I'm interacting with you, our, 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 our sheep, as an under-shepherd, as Christ is the, 
over-shepherd of this flock, one of the most disheartening, discouraging, and challenging things for myself as a pastor, for Pastor James, is the reality that we're constantly confronted with what you guys believe is normal, and it's so far out of step with the scriptures. And sometimes we wonder, why? Why is it so hard that we have to try to convince you, cajole you, shake you, come up with all kind of ways to tell you that this book is the way to true life, and the way God describes everything in it is the best way that you ought to embrace? We find ourselves challenged powerfully in that way. We fill our minds with the flesh rather than truth. And what he kind of ends with is he says, you begin to cut new neural pathways. When you're constantly consumed with the ideas of the world, and here's the reality, you have your own ideas too. It's not just the world coming in. You're just constantly thinking all the time. And normally throughout the day, you're just thinking, your mind is on how can I make my life better today? That's just your own thoughts. But then you have these outside thoughts coming in as well. And so we're cutting these neural pathways. He says, this is right in line with cutting-edge neuroscience. He talks about the fact of one leader, Schwartz, his book, You Are Not Your Brain, makes the case that your mind can literally rewire your brain. When an unwanted thought comes into your conscious awareness, all you have to do is think about something else. This is why Dallas Willard said, as we first turned away from God in our thoughts in the garden, so it is in our thoughts that ought to be the first movement toward the renovation of the heart. Thoughts are the place where we can, listen, and this is why I said slow down, where we can and must begin to change. Listen, you are not going to experience the raised up life and deal with the flesh until you first deal with the mind. The mind deals with the desires. The desires trumps the flesh, and the flesh out of the way gives you the raised up life. You can't just not be envious. You can't just not be full of dissension. You can't just not be impatient. No, you got to deal with the thinking and the ideas that have planted themselves deep in your heart that have you there in the first place. And here's the reality. This is our responsibility. Hear what I'm, hear what I'm saying, and I'm going to close. All I'm saying is going to mean nothing but some nice platitudes and maybe a good sermon or an average sermon or maybe for some of you a, a bad sermon. And you're going to walk out of here and it'll just be another Sunday. I don't want it to be another Sunday no more. I'm not doing this to be doing this. You know what? I want to change because I'm tired of swimming in all my negative emotions because the power of the resurrection tells me I don't have to be discontent. I, I don't have to be characterized by that. But here's the reality. 
are you really ready and willing to put the effort in that's needed for you not to be where you are right now? Are you, are you hearing me? Just imagine if you reverse that 2,800 hours and that 153 hours. Hear me. What would your life be? If the majority of the content that you were consuming was God and less of the world, where would you be? But you know what? You know what that means? You got to die yourself, take up your cross and follow. That's a lot of dying. That's why Jesus said, take up your cross, what? Daily in Luke. That's a lot of death. No, that's a lot of death. This is why you have to ask yourself, are you willing to pay the cost? Do you want the raised up life? Many of us think, well, yeah, we praised it. He preached it. It's wonderful. It's good. Let's pray for it. God, give me the raised up life. And then I go out there and keep doing the same thing I've been doing. No, 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 no. If you don't start making a concerted effort by the power of the Holy Spirit to get a hold of the ideas that have you where you are, you're going nowhere. And this is just another sermon. And you're going to be exactly where you were today, 10 years from now. I've lived enough life. I'm telling you right now. So what's the power inhibitor? The flesh. What is the goal of the flesh? To win the war of desires. And what is the battleground where those desires are fought for? The mind. As you reflect, I just want to ask yourself this question. And I asked it to you earlier. What's your idea of the life that you wish that you could be living right now? I want you to attend. I want you to. What is what is the idea? The mind. You have a picture. You have a picture in your mind right now of the way you wish your life looked like. Don't tune me out. In your marriage, in your job, in your self-being, in a relationship, wherever it is, there is an idea, there is a picture in your mind right now. What is that picture? Because now I'm realizing for me, that's what tripped me up. That's what's been tripping me up. I have an idea of the life that I want to live. Listen to me. I have an idea of the life that I want to live. That idea has been around for over a decade in various areas of my life. And you know what I do? You know what I've done for the past 10, 15 years? My mind has been on that picture of the life that I want to live constantly. And that's why I hum. That's why you hum. Why you can't get rid of the hum of the worry, the hum of the fear, the hum of the anger, the hum of the discontent, the hum of the envy, the hum of the unforgiveness, because you're there. Because you have an idea, a picture. And you marinate in that picture all day. You marinate in that idea, that mind idea of of the way you want it to be. You live there.
And so I want to encourage you right now to take that before God. And will you even ask him now, will you give me, God, the grace and the strength to break the root of that thought that is leading me to the flesh and not to you? God, will you please just do that for me right now? So just take a few moments and just bring that thing before the Lord in prayer. Will you renew our minds? Really. Holy Spirit, will you get down into that really deep place? And, and, and truly, truly convince us at a core level that what we have in you is of far greater worth than what we're pursuing outside of you. God, please do that. Will you do that, please? For every, for, for every heart here, that is genuinely asking and desiring that, God, will you please begin the quest toward the raised up life for them right now. Grant them the victory that is theirs in Christ over their flesh. Do this, God, by the power of your spirit, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen.